the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. The scriptures we're going to look at today are in the first chapter of Romans, and they're verses 17 through 19. And in these scriptures, in this little section of scripture, I will say, that first chapter, Paul is creating for you a contrast, or for the the believers in Rome, a contrast. Remember, he's never met these Christians. He has not been there, so they, they don't he doesn't really know them. What he is writing to them is what the Spirit of God is putting in his heart for them. And again, I would encourage you, when you read these letters, that you recognize that this is God's Word. This is God speaking, not Paul speaking. And as Paul is talking to them, one of the things he is trying to establish from the outset is what the gospel is. What is the fullness of the gospel? What does the gospel really mean? And he sets a contrast in the beginning between who man is, and who God is. Now, it's very important for, for a young believer or new believers to understand this because, as we just said, this is where the enemy hits us, isn't it? It's where he hits us in our identity because we are either aspiring to be something else or we are aspiring to change what we are. We're constantly in this flux, believing that if we could just change these things, God would love us more. If I could just be like Sabra, God would love me. If I could just do away with all of the stuff that I see in Todd's life, God would love me. We're always looking to change ourselves for His sake, or we're praying to Him to change us. This is about identity. And Paul is writing this small group of Christians, and he he is telling them that the Spirit of God has led him to explain in detail the truth that the gospel possesses. You know, in Bible study, we're looking at a book called The Rest of the Gospel. And this makes sense. It makes sense that Paul would go down this road with him, that the Lord would, would put this in his heart. Because how many of us have lived for years on a small portion of the gospel? How many of us lived for years just on the truth that Christ died and forgave us of all our sins? And we didn't even accept that fully, did we? I didn't. Every time I sinned, I was asking for forgiveness. Didn't you do that? 
Well, God says he forgave us of all our sins. What am I doing? He says repent, which means turn and go the opposite direction. He doesn't ask us to ask forgiveness again. Christ was only crucified one time. So we live on a portion of what we understand. And for years I lived on, well, Christ died for for my sins, and so now I'm going to go to heaven, and God is going to help me survive here on earth. And then I came into the understanding that Christ not only took my sins, He died to give me life, a new life. Things begin to change for me. It's standing in who we are is the work of the Spirit of God in our lives. That's what He does. He constantly brings revelation to us and He says, You know what, Todd? I have completed everything that is needed in your life. So what I want you to do is I want you to, by faith, recognize that Christ has done the finished work and go forward believing that I will be enough in every circumstance. That I will be enough in everything that you, that you encounter. That I have taken your sin and you're not walking as a sinner waiting for God to strike. You're walking as a righteous creation in my pleasure awaiting my will and living it out. You see, that's revelation. And everything that we know about Christianity, everything that we know about being a Christian, we know by revelation. What is revelation? Revelation is the Spirit of God revealing the finished work of Christ in us. Revelation is not a new work. Revelation is revealing the finished work in us. And that's the work of the Spirit of God. There's two things that we need to expand. Number one, the revelation of the Spirit of God in our lives. Number two, obedience by faith. I've had a lot more revelation than I've lived to. How about you? So the two things that that Christ wants to affect in our life, first is that we know. Secondly, is not only that we know about, but that we truly know through faith. And to truly know, we go forward in obedience. What does that mean for me? That means Christ is my protection, so I go forward in a place that that seems like it's threatening. Christ is my provision, so I go forward where it doesn't seem like I have enough. Christ is my hope, so I go forward when I don't feel hope. It means that I go forward. And the, the thing that Christ is establishing in me by faith as I walk and I go forward in these things is that He is faithful and that He is true and that everything that I need for living in the abundance of all that He's given me, I already possess in Him, in Christ alone. This is what God is trying to show us through life. This is that progressive walk that we're on. Paul is giving them a greater understanding of what they've received through the gospel or the work of Christ. And he begins by setting a contrast between the unrighteousness of man and the righteousness of God. Now, there can't be any greater contrast The God of all righteousness, God the Father, defines righteousness by Himself. He is the standard of righteousness. Now I want you to understand, we've gone through this before, but when we talk about the attributes of God, we're not talking about necessarily just about God's expression. When we talk about God and we say God is righteous, we're talking about who God is. 1 John tells us God is love. He doesn't say that God just loves. He says that God is love. 
And so when we talk about the righteousness of God, we're talking about who God is. You cannot, uh, you cannot have that righteousness apart from God. It doesn't exist apart from God. He defines righteousness. Now, he says in verse 17 that a righteousness has been revealed. Well, who is that righteousness? Jesus. He's speaking of Jesus. He is the standard of righteousness. And the thing is, he wants to contrast it against who man is. And man is by nature, get this, man is by nature unrighteous. Man is by his very nature anti-God. And his godless behavior is just the natural activity of a man apart from God. Let's look at verses 17 through 19. Verse 17, For in the Gospels a righteousness which God ascribes is revealed, both springing from faith and leading to faith, disclosed through the way of faith that arouses to more faith. As it is written, the man who through faith is just and the upright shall live and shall live by faith. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. For that which is known about God is evident to them and made plain in their inner consciousness because God himself has shown it to them. So verse 17 makes it plain that righteousness is not an attainment of men. It's not something that we do. But God has revealed a righteousness that comes from him and that is Jesus. A righteousness that he has made plain. A righteousness that is from faith and literally leading to faith. So then Paul writes that through faith man is just and upright. Now did you just hear what the scripture said? Through faith man is just and upright. It does not say through faith man behaves in a just and upright way. Does it? does not say that through faith we are going to behave in a righteous manner. What it says is, through faith a man is just and upright. Did you see that little two-lettered word? Is. Is. Do you get that? Do you get what that means? That through faith, we don't just behave righteous, we don't act righteous. Through faith, we become and are just and upright. It's who we are. It's not what we become. Through faith, man is righteous. He's talking about your very nature. God created us to be so that we are righteous before Him apart from behavior. That's a very important thing. To, so what's the first thing that happens when you fail? Okay? Now, if you're not grieved by your sin and by your failures, you've got a bigger problem. You need to get saved. <laughs> you need Jesus. But the fact that you're grieved tells me that when you sin, you are acting contrary to your very nature. 
You see, the grief that you feel is you behaving in a way that doesn't suit you. Sin will not suit the child of God because he has been recreated. He is, by faith, you entered into salvation by faith, right? And through faith you were birthed into Christ. What does that mean? That means you didn't just become a card-carrying Christian. You were literally recreated or created as a Christian in the image of God. Created to bear His life. God created us to be. Ephesians 4.24 Ephesians 4.24 says, And put on the new nature. This is Paul speaking to the Ephesians. He says, and put on the new nature, the regenerate self created in God's image, God-like in true righteousness and holiness. What is he talking about? Now he says, put on the new regenerate self, the regenerate self, the new nature. Now, he's not saying that you take something out here and put it on you that is not you. He is saying it's time that what is true of you now become your expression. It now needs to be real for you. The truth of you is that you are a new creation. You do have a new nature. You do have a new heart. And the desire of that new heart, I'm not talking about your soul, your mind, will, and emotion that's fickled. I'm talking about your spirit that's in union with God Himself through the Spirit of God. That new heart desires Him. That new heart is just and upright. That new heart loves Him. That new heart does never stray from His presence. And He says, put on that new heart. Walk in it. What does that mean for me? Listen, for years I tried to get my behavior right so God would bless me and love me more. Have you ever tried that? You know, the reality is that we all try it. And this is what God has done. He doesn't want you to act contrary to your nature. And when you were born in sin as a child of Adam, from the first Adam, when you were born in sin and you sinned, and you sinned against God, you were being true to your nature. And sin didn't bother you except when you got caught. Right? But when you became a child of God, He put in you a new nature. There's no duality. The only duality that we live in is what we are versus what we believe ourselves to be. What do you believe about yourself? Well, Christ and the Father says, you know what? My children will be righteous. They won't just behave righteous. I will put in them a new heart. I will give them a new spirit. Now, the enemy's constant work is to get you to believe just the opposite. He wants you to work for Jesus. Does that sound weird? He wants you to strive to become 
He wants you to constantly fight to be what you already are. He will give you every reason to work to try to become what Christ has already made you. You will spend the whole of your life trying to attain what Christ has already put within you. And it will be a frustrating thing. This is what it means to live this out by faith. Faith leading to faith. By faith I have been birthed. By faith I live. Believing what God says about me. This righteousness is birthed by faith. And that new man who is born is born in righteousness. And has the capacity through that same faith to live it out. Now we don't always live it out, do we? But I'm going to tell you something. That when you don't live it out, you find out relatively quickly that it doesn't work, that it doesn't suit you, it makes you miserable. But when you do live it out, you find out relatively quickly that it does suit you and that it gives you joy. That's why Paul had joy in prison. That's why he had peace in persecution. To live by faith is to live out of our union with Christ, who is our life. And the the expression of that very character, that righteousness, that truth of who God is, is walking in faith. Now look, we say, all right, if it's God's righteousness, then what I'm doing is I'm just living life and I'm praying that God will somehow express His righteousness through me. So let me just ask you a simple question. The life that flows through the branch, is it the branch's life or is it the vine's life? Vine's life, but isn't it also the branch's life? It's both. Isn't that an amazing thing? You have been engrafted in Christ and He is your life. And the expression of righteousness that He desires to express through you The life that He desires to express through you is His life, but it's your life. You see, as the life of the vine flows through the branch, the branch expands in all that it is, and the branch grows, and it becomes healthy and strong because it was made for that life, and it bears fruit, and that fruit is containing that life, and its expression is the life of the vine. How do I know what kind of vine it is? By the fruit? You see, the problem is many of us are engrafted in the vine. But we're still trying to figure out if we're an apple or an orange, what we are. And this guy looks good as an orange, so I'm an orange. I want to be an orange. I'm going to try real hard. I'm going to join the orange group. You are not an orange. You belong to the vine. The world is constantly trying to recreate us, trying to get us to believe that we're something we're not through the work of the enemy. That will leave you to frustration. Let me ask you, how many of you would want to take a job where they will say to you, in order to do this job well, you will have to complete the following things. And as you look at that page, you know there's no way that you can complete it. There's no way that you can do it. But you say, oh, I'll take the job. And then immediately it hits you. I can't do any of these things. And you're condemned by it. So you're constantly calling in sick. (laughs) You're constantly making excuses. And then the failures, initially, you know inside the failures are your fault, but, you know, eventually they become somebody else's because you can't handle that for very long. 
Well, did I just go off the page here? No, I didn't. The reality is that when we try to be something that goes beyond the truth of who we really are, this is how we live. We avoid fellowship with God. We call in sick. We're constantly not praying. And when we do, we keep it very superficial because we sure don't want Him to delve into our life and find out that we could not possibly be all that we believe He's expecting us to be. And God looks at us and He says, You are. You are. Live it. Quit calling in sick and enjoy and embrace the fellowship that I have for you. Quit making excuses and understand that what I want from you is not behavior. What I want from you is life. There's a big difference between the two. One is an expression of who you are. The other is you striving to be something you don't believe you are. Look at verse 18. For God's holy wrath and indignation are revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who in their wickedness repress and hinder the truth and make it inoperative. Now, the Greek word there for wrath is orge. And why did I bring that up? So you guys would be impressed that I studied the Greek. No. There's a reason that orge is used, because the wrath of God is a holy wrath. It is a righteous wrath. But here's an interesting thing. It is an eternal wrath. What does that mean? That means it doesn't end when you die. That the wrath of God is always against unrighteousness. It is always against unrighteousness because it is contrary to who He is. Unrighteousness is contrary to who God is. It doesn't end in our death. It is the natural reaction, the just reaction, of a righteous God to unrighteousness. Now, God is infinitely holy. He's infinitely righteous. And therefore, His wrath against unrighteousness is infinite. Now, the unrighteous repress it and make it inoperative in their lives. In other words, now listen, did you hear what I said? They repress it and make it inoperative In their lives. Now the wording there literally means to hold down the truth. doesn't mean they get rid of the truth. It means that they literally hold it down. And that's a present tense, which means that they are constantly working to hold it down. They can't get rid of it. They're trying to do away with the contrast. Now, we know that God allows sin to punish sin, and we've talked about that many times in here. But that's only the beginning because of God's eternal wrath. We're living in an age of grace right now. And the age of grace allows man to confess, repent, and in that repentance, the penalty of sin is paid. And the consequences of sin is diminished, not always done away with but diminished in accordance to whatever God is trying to work in the individual's life. But a day is coming when the wrath of God will be fully revealed to man and there won't be any turning. The unrighteous will be forever through eternity condemned. There will be an eternal consequence. Now the Christian punishes himself 
through sinful behavior and robs himself of the abundance that we talk about in that life, that life of faith, faith leading to faith. But the interesting thing is that when we do that, we punish ourselves, right? When I separate myself in terms of my awareness of God, when I embrace the world rather than embrace my fellowship with Him, I'm the one who's getting punished. Have you found that to be true? I'm the one who's hurting. You see, the wrath of God is revealed even in that instance. But God does not want us to live in that way, so He makes it uncomfortable for us. And when He does, we turn from that. Now, living in abundance is embracing the fullness of Christ by faith in everything that we do. Now, here's an interesting thing. That does not mean that we walk around with a silly grin on our face, enjoying everything that we go through. We won't. What it does mean is that we go forward in the confidence of His life within us, and we have a joy, a joy that is only possible through the presence of God. It's not an emotion. It's a joy that rejoices in the presence of God, the recognition of His presence no matter what you go through. This is what God has for us as a child of God. The Christian will never know condemnation, rejection, or separation from God. Now, as I said at the beginning, we superimpose that on God, don't we? Do you ever believe that God rejects you? Do you ever believe that God condemned you? Well, all of those things are contrary to the Word of God. He said that He would never do that with His children. Thank you for joining Pastor Todd Granger for His Life Revealed, the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We hope today's message has encouraged you to yield to His life in every situation. Rest in His life moment by moment and receive from His life all that you need to show Christ in this world. If you'd like to know more, Visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. And you're invited to join us for worship services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 7015 Wurzbach Road. If you would like to help support this ministry, send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. And finally, this coming week, our hope is that the image of the invisible God would be visible in you. And remember, wherever you go, whatever you do, the hope of glory is Christ in you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.